Welcome back to the Beyond Rockets podcast. I'm your host, Clark Dunn. The Beyond Rockets podcast is a way for me to showcase and highlight some of the small business owners, entrepreneurs, and talented creatives here in the Rocket City that make Huntsville way more than just a Rocket City. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe wherever you listen. You can follow me on YouTube at Beyond Rockets, as well as Instagram at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date with new and exciting things happening in Huntsville, as well as new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by the Watts Hampton Cove, a brand new luxury apartment community located in beautiful Hampton Cove. The Watts offers one, two, and three bedroom apartment homes with stylish finishes and thoughtfully designed amenities. A short 15 minute drive from downtown Huntsville, the Watts offers unique features such as direct connectivity to Hayes Nature Preserve, over 10 miles of walking trails, Flint River access, mountain views, a large saltwater pool, dog park, dog spa, a 24 hour fitness studio, and more. Dwell in delight this new year and make the Watts your home. For the month of January, they're going to be offering a $25 Amazon gift card for anyone that tours and mentions the Beyond Rockets podcast. Learn more and schedule your tour today at livethewatts.com. And this information will be in the episode notes. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Rockets. Today, I sit down and talk with Ethan Couch, one of the owners and current brewery managers of Yellowhammer Brewing, which opened in West Huntsville in 2010 by four guys who wanted to bring good, traditional beer to Alabama. The brewery grew rapidly in 2015. They began the big move to their new facility and their current location at Campus 805. First off, thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself and we'll get started there? Sure. My name is Ethan Couch and I'm the general manager at Yellowhammer Brewing. Awesome. Well, so as Huntsville is continuing to grow, I sit down and talk with a variety of different people in different industries, and a lot of them are transplants to Huntsville. Are you originally from Huntsville, or did worker family bring you here as well? Yeah, I'm from Alabama. I've been here in Huntsville for about 33 years. Okay. So prior to your brewery background, obviously your background's not in brewing. You didn't just grow up, start brewing beer. What is your background in, and kind of what is your sort of story here in Huntsville and kind of prior to the brewery? Yeah, I went to Huntsville High School. I graduated and then went to UAH. Uh, I got a liberal arts degree in studio art and then became a real estate appraiser after that and worked with my dad after college. And uh, I've been doing appraisal for 23 years and started this in 2009. We started talking about it and then sold our first beer in 2010. So when did you really start getting into brewing beer? Were you doing it prior to 2009 or did you just kind of kind of fall upon these guys that you would meet and all that to kind of get started with Yellowhammer? Yeah, I came at it more from the business perspective, and I just thought it would be fun. So, But I started talking about it. They had just changed the laws in 2009 to increase the ABV for beer sold in Alabama. So that was a big impetus. And there was only one brewery at the time, Old Town Brewing, and their product was a little hit or miss. And so we were like, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here. And I asked some friends, and they knew a home brewer. It was really good. And we all had different attributes that we thought would bring a lot to the company. And so we gave it a shot. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and it turned out pretty well. So did the other guys you meet through school or how did you kind of get introduced to the other three guys that you would open up Yellowhammer with? Well, the two that I knew were poker buddies. So we, okay. <laughs> uh, we had a regular poker game and I met them through that. And it was just friends of friends. And they both worked, had worked with or our new uh, Keith, who was the home brewer. Okay. So Keith was kind of the main brewer and the other ones mm-hmm. were kind of the business, more of the actual, let's get this thing up and running more than just like, I have the craft of brewery. Yeah. I had more business and real estate mentality. And then 
one partner had like uh, marketing and then one had like mechanical and uh, like facilities and then the, the brewing side. So okay. we, we all kind of brought different stuff to the table. <laughs> There's definitely one thing between doing home brewing and then completely another from owning actual brewery. They're two very different things. When did that switch happen where you thought you could potentially make this home brewery passion an actual like, let's actually get a storefront? When did that switch happen? It was definitely a hobby when we started. We all had jobs and so we were doing this nights and weekends and we really didn't know what we were doing. Flat out did not know. And so <laughs> it was, all right, we'll explore this. And then we cobbled together, we threw some money at it and cobbled together a system. We welded the first system together and <laughs> And Don's garage, it was a lot of hard work and sweat equity at first. And then that first system, we still have it. It was pretty basic, basically like a big homebrew system, but it allowed us to get out in the market. We sold a few kegs. And at that time, we didn't realize that a couple other breweries were opening up at the same time. And there was kind of a wave all of a sudden. Now Huntsville <laughs> has four breweries in a span of uh, six months. And the public got excited and that kind of drove our success. At the time, you couldn't have a tap room, so nobody even knew where we were or wow. the whole process. And in 2013, I believe they changed the laws for the tap room, and that's when people started to be able to come to the brewery and see what we were doing. And that really skyrocketed the branding and the ability for people to test out different stuff and just get familiar with the company, and that allowed us to grow a lot faster. In 2010, you're actually, you were located where Salty Nut is currently. Mm -hmm. What did that space look like then compared to what it looks like now? Because I know that that backyard beer garden area definitely had some phases of changes that you were able to kind of do that looks a lot similar to what it looks like now. Can you talk a little bit about what that space looked like? Yeah. So when we started, it was an old warehouse that had been used by cabinet makers and painters. And so it was very barren and dirty. And uh, <laughs> it was just an old warehouse. And we got it because it was cheap. It's really close to downtown. We knew that was important. And then as we grew and we opened up the tap room, we knew we needed more social space. And so we actually bought the building next to us. And then that included the backyard where the beer garden is. And there was an old house and we, great stories there. Well, <laughs> we ended up tearing that house down. It had not been lived in for, I think, 12 years and it was pretty worn down. Yeah. So we got that demolished and then spent a lot of time back there landscaping that backyard. <laughs> and we turned what looked kind of scary and gross and something... <laughs> So it was beautiful and, and it had this great pecan tree and we built a stage back there and started having live music and wow. really just transformed the place and kind of the whole neighborhood. It started to be a fun neighborhood, whereas before it was a little sketchy. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, at the time it was just, I consider that craft beer row, that whole stretch of Clinton right here is there's so many breweries now, but at the time it was really just y'all because Straight to Ale, which is currently at Campus 852, mm -hmm. was actually over on Lehman Ferry probably at that time, at, yep. at that location. So it was really just you down here and there was no other breweries. Right. We got wind of Straight to Ale wanting to move. And so I'd gone out to Colorado with Dan Perry and of Straight to Ale and we saw a facility that was similar to what we have here. There was a couple of breweries in an establishment that had some synergy and he and I kind of spitballed the idea of, hey, what if we did something like that in Huntsville? People respond well to that. And then my partner Bill got involved and he talked to the city and said, hey, would y'all be interested in maybe doing a park? And we got this big site down here. And so it all kind of came together and the city was on board and we agreed that it would be good for both of us to have both breweries in the same location or on the same street. And I don't think there's any place like it in the nation, really, like yeah. with the city park and everything. And it's just a fun place to come. You can bring your kids. You've got outdoor events. 
You've got a myriad of things to do for dinner options, and you can just walk around and have a good time at night going to three or four different places. Yeah, it's crazy just to think that you were the only ones here when there was nothing really here, and it was Stone Middle, and it was just all this yeah. area that really most people would say, hey, maybe we should get our first brewery location somewhere besides here. I kind of see the hindsight of what this potentially could be, yeah. and now, I mean, it's completely changed the whole landscape of Clinton, really. Yeah. So at the beginning, when you first started brewing the beer in 2010, was there any beers that you were brewing at that time that you were like, this is going to be the best beer? Like when we get to this location and when we're able to actually serve in the tap room or whatever that would look like in the future, this is going to be a bestseller. But then it actually became, you just don't even actually do it anymore. Or a lot of the beers that you originally started with still beers that people can enjoy today. Yeah. The funny thing is the first two beers that we sold, which were at the Nook, was the Belgian White, which was, we call it the original flagship. <laughs> and it's still around and it does really well. And then our IPA, which is now Groovy Don's IPA. It's a West Coast wow. style IPA. And it's brewed year round here as well. So the first two beers are still rolling. They have slightly <laughs> different names. But to answer your question, there's been a lot of styles. We've done over, I think, 500 different styles of beer Wow! since we started. And that's one of our fortes is we have the most craft beer offerings out of any brewery in the state. And wow. so you can come here. And we often have one to two different beers coming out every week. So that's pretty amazing. That's kind of what makes us exciting. Yeah. In 2010, or when you first got the location at Salty Nut, did you think that eventually that was what you wanted? Obviously, the production-wise you could do at Salty Nut was one thing. The space was only so big. And so like, the expansion of coming here to Campus 805, it kind of allowed you to offer that. Did you already have that in your mind of at Salty Nut? Like, hey, we want to be able to offer a great variety, come out all often. And then when you got the space and you were able to actually execute that? Yeah, that was definitely a big part of it. We knew we needed more seating capacity <laughs> and we wanted an outdoor space as well. And so we have a lot of patios here. And of course, the park is there. And then we added the beer garden in the back. But a lot of it was, hey, we're going to be able to do a lot of different things here. When we first started, we had probably 15 taps. And then now we've got over 30. And uh, <laughs> so we just kept expanding. And a lot of it's just like people want so many different styles right now. There's a group that loves sours or New England IPAs or the stout fans. And we love all those styles too. So we just try and brew a little bit of everything. And we've gotten into seltzer and wine and spirits. And it's really allowed us to grow for us to experiment and to do some of the things that all of us love to do. And we're all big bourbon fans. And so, <laughs> I mean, that's taken a long time for that project to get off, but we're making some really good spirits right now. Yeah. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about it earlier, but the laws that have changed for craft beer. I mean, it's been huge over your time. In 2010, not even able to have a tap room to 2013 or around 2013, being able to actually offer that. Can you talk a little bit about how those laws have changed over those short amount of years and kind of how that actually really did propel you to get this location here at Campus 805? Yeah, the tap room changed everything. So by having a tap room, it really allowed the public to come in and see who we were. And the people wanted it. Huntsville needed a place for people to come after work and have a beer and on the weekends to come play Frisbee and bring their kids. And now it's okay to have your kids around and have a nice beer and some pizza and that's it. But in 2013, they changed that law and it really meant that we could grow because there's a different profit margin in retail sales and very small margin on manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And so that's the difference. And it allowed us to get bigger and we're basically serving a need. There is a want here. And so our success is based on the community support. And that's why we do a lot of the projects that we do where we're giving back. And there's a give and take in this community effort. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about it earlier with just you and Dan went from straight to AO, went to this event and kind of saw what this could be and potentially bringing this to Huntsville. 
Was the space of Campus 805 the only place you ever had in mind to do something like this when you kind of had that? Or were there other places you had in mind prior to having this location? We've definitely thought about a lot. And this location meant a lot to us because it wasn't a far move, you Mm -hmm. know, going two (laughs) doors down. And this area of town was still not developed. And so it was still kind of struggling. And the school had been boarded up for six years prior to Randy buying it. So it was definitely kind of an eyesore and it kind of looked scary. It had like (laughs) a six foot fence with barbed wire. And I mean, it's like a prison. And so turning that into something that's fun for the community and a lot of people that have graduated from there, they just love seeing it be redeveloped into something that's viable and fun for the community. So that's been a lot of fun seeing people come back and enjoying this side of town, which they grew up in. And now it's, you know, way different and and fun. Yeah. I mean, Technically, the space the Yellowhammer's at was actually like the ball fields, mm-hmm. I believe. Okay. Yeah, this is uh, where the track and football field was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the space itself here, I mean, y'all have gone through so many different expansions over the year. I mean, you got into the space around 2015. Mm-hmm. What did that tap room space look like? For those that are listening that have seen the space, have come to here, enjoy going to Yellowhammer, what did the space look like in 2015 versus the expansions you've had over the last seven years, eight yeah. years? When we first moved here, we had the tap room and manufacturing like half of the manufacturing and we quickly were out of seating like (laughs) and it was just like wow we just grew so much from where the old location was and it's already packed again it's like okay i never thought i needed this much space and then we added the front patio and all that seating and Mm -hmm. then we added another side patio (laughs) and that was all we could do at the time because it was a cheap way for us to get more seating yeah and then after a year went by, we were like, okay, we've got to to grow again. And we had half the site uh, remaining and it was kind of, we'll save this if things go well. Well, it was- Things went well. <laughs> yeah. It was, we were needing it. So we added more manufacturing and it allowed us to include a canning line. So we switched from bottles to cans. So like year. the original stuff were in cans? No. Original or was in bottles. bottles, 12 ounce bottles. And then huh. we added a can line a lab for testing, another cold room, and then a distilling area, and then an event space on the very end. Wow. And that one of the things, people always wanted to rent out the whole brewery for a company party, and we're like, we can't do that. We have regulars, we have people coming in from out of town, we can't just shut it down for one party. And so we were like, let's do an event hall and create a space that can suit 50 to 200 people if need be. And so that's been a huge help. Uh, our growth is having the ability to do events because, again, that was servicing a need in the community. There was, wasn't a lot of space for mm-hmm. rent. Yeah. It's wild just to think about all those. St- I mean, in a short amount of time, you've built out this entire side of Campus 805 on the other side of the park, and you've really just kind of made this space fit what the community needs. And I think as Huntsville's continuing to grow with the craft beer scene over the last few years, I mean, outside seating and patio seating is something that people really do year-round. Yeah. And making that a space that you have all the tarps for when it rains and you have heaters when it's cold. Yeah. I mean, I love sitting outside all year-round to have a beer. Even if it's cold, it's like, I'll bundle up, I'll have a heater, it'll be fine, it'll be, yeah. it'll be fantastic. Since moving to this place in 2015, you mentioned a little bit just like bourbon being such a big part of what you and the team and everyone here kind of really was always passionate about. And you were able to kind of accomplish that and start doing the distilling since you've been here. When did that first start? Because I know that that process is a much longer process than a typical doing a porter or doing a lager or whatever it might look like. So what was that motivation to start doing the distilling and kind of what did that process look like? Yeah, not everybody likes beer. And so we knew that, you know, it was a big thing. Some of our investors even would say like, hey, I'd love to come here more often, but my wife doesn't drink beer or I don't really like beer myself. I'm just trying to support this. 
And so we were like, okay, well, we all big fans of bourbon and we're like, let's make some spirits. And again, we didn't know what we were doing, and, uh, <laughs> but we learned a lot and we found a good still and we got one of the largest stills in Alabama and we started making vodka. Vodka is pretty simple to make. It's straightforward. And that's a quick turnaround, mm -hmm. no barrel aging there. And then we started with single malt whiskey and bourbon. So we had two recipes there. And in 2018, we started a uh, barrel aging and you can turn out a, a good product in a short amount of time with a smaller barrel. You get more surface area per volume of spirit there. So you can do stuff that's six months, a year, two years. And right now we're opening barrels that are three and a half years old that are 10 gallons and 23 gallons. And wow. There's a multiplier effect. People like to use three years if it's a 10-gallon mm -hmm. barrel per three years times, whatever you've aged it at. And so we're getting into some really high-quality spirits that have mellowed out over the years. And, and it's fun getting to see that flavor profile change. And I'm really proud of what we've been putting out. So what are the spirits that you currently offer? Because I know all the spirits that you offer are available for purchase in bottles at the tap room only. And yep. you have a variety of different cocktails. So what are all the different spirits now? And what are their typical? Someone could come in and get a cocktail of this or that. Yeah. So we try and do three or four different cocktails. Our famous one is the Yellowhammer Punch, and that's a vodka-based drink. So that's our most popular one, but we try and do stuff like a bourbon cocktail, and especially in the fall and winter, uh, those are popular. And then we do rum right now as well, and okay. that's, we can do simple cocktails all the way up to like a tiki bar drink. And uh, <laughs> So we, we do a lot of different stuff there, and then, but a lot of people just like to buy the bottle spirits to go, yeah. and a lot of single malt and bourbon people are going to have neat or over ice. Mm -hmm. and so we also offer that. And that's been a huge growth in our business over the past two or three years. And a lot of people don't even know we do it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't really promoted it too much because I wanted to get a solid footing mm -hmm. and make sure that we could do this and do it well. And the last thing I want to do is promote it and then be out of it all the time. Yeah. And I know that's maybe contrary to good marketing policy, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to slow grow it and make sure we're building fans the right way and make sure we're able to repeat our quality and offer people good stuff. Yeah. We've talked a lot about just the laws and being able to expand and being able to really offer more to the consumer. And one of the most recent ones that I think came out in the last probably year or two is the ability to sell six stills to individuals. Mm -hmm. How has that impacted the growth of Yellowhammer and what are sort of the offerings that you typically are able to provide? And so if someone was to come in to purchase a six stall of something. Yeah. So we post on our website every week the sixels that are available mm -hmm. for sale because it does change. But normally you can get all the flagships and then whatever specialties we come out with that are seasonal, there's always some at the very beginning of that. Okay. So we normally have 10 to 12 different styles of sixels that are available for sale. And it's been a big deal. A lot of people have kegerators at home yep. and they want it fresh off as fresh from here as possible. And they like supporting us too. And so, you know, they go straight to the source and we sell a good bit maybe one or two a day. So Wow. Yeah. I think that's such a cool thing. The amount of people now that I know that have a kegerator at home and yeah. that are constantly like, hey, do you know if they sell this or do you know if they offer this? I think that ability just to be that, because a lot of people will have family that come over to travel and mm -hmm. yes, they can take them out to the actual brewery, but you can try it before we go. Oh, yeah. I really like this. Like, yeah. I want to go there tonight. Oh, and yeah. they have food. Oh, wait, perfect. Yeah. And so I think the direct consumer is just huge. Yep. Looking at this trajectory that craft beer has been on, where do you see it continuing to move towards, especially in Huntsville in the years to come? As I mean, there's just more and more breweries, even in the last, since COVID, really, in the last two years, three years, I mean, the amount of breweries that have opened up, where do you see that trajectory going for craft beer in Huntsville? Yeah, Huntsville has been a great supporter of it. They call us the biggest city in Alabama. I don't know <laughs> about all that, but we do have a lot of people coming in. And so 
it's nice when you come to town and you have options. I know a lot of people come here and then they'll go to Straight to Hell and they'll go to Salty or they'll go to Fractal. And that's great. That's something that's positive for the community here. And there's more coming. I know there's more breweries coming. And at some point, there is a saturation to it all. <laughs> but I think for a lot of people, it's convenience. I want to go to this place because it's on my way home and I mm -hmm. like what they do. And people know this as a craft beer town. And for me, as a traveler, I love hearing that. When I go to town, I'm like, I'm going to look up some breweries and go check 100%. them out. 100%. Yeah. Breweries and coffee shops are the two things yeah. that I always look for when I travel someplace. Right. And I think what's interesting is a lot of people that I talk to or people that I just like just casual conversations. I think Huntsville's outgrown all these breweries. Like, how are they able to provide? And I think really what it is is that it's really education. People are getting more accustomed to the potential of having a craft beer. And we talked about it a little bit off air before, but a big part of what you've been trying to do in this journey you've been on is offer beer that people can have as an everyday drinker. It's not yeah. something that is so heavy or so strong or so just wildly out there that they yeah. just couldn't enjoy it, but only once a week. You look at these stats that they throw out, and Alabama's number one beer is Bud Light, and that's just sad. <laughs> like, we got some really good beer here, and it doesn't have to be us, but we want to make beer that fits that niche, or Yellowhammer Gold. It's an American lager, and it's real easy to drink, and that's the kind of beer that we can really get behind as a state, something like that, <laughs> and enjoy as a day drinker. Yeah, so looking over this journey with Yellowhammer, what is one thing that you know now in the business that you wish you would have known back in 2010 when you first started? Yeah. Once you get started, you can't stop. <laughs> and the amount of work that you have to put in is true for almost every business, but it'll blow you away as an entrepreneur putting in 60 to 8 hours. And it'll surprise you. You'll be here on Christmas Eve having to fix the POS or you know, there's a plumbing <laughs> problem. But ultimately, it's up to you and the show must go on. So I didn't really think about that. And I try not to think about it now. I just, you know, you know, One day it, at a time. Get it, get it done and make sure we're open. It's been fun. We've had trials and tribulations, and it's been difficult, but I wouldn't change a thing. What is one hat that you knew the least amount when you first started as an entrepreneur and as the owner? And as this, the, for a little while, it was really just you and the other three guys. It was mm -hmm. just the four of y'all. Yep. And so there's a lot of different things you're having to learn, but when you're the owner, you're wearing multiple different hats. You're taking yep. off one hat to do this hat, taking off this hat to do that hat. What is one hat that you knew the least amount? And was it just through that trial and tribulation that really made you figure out how to do it? Or did you have experts or guidance from other people? Yeah, there's a lot of red tape and reporting that we have to do. <laughs> and none of us were prepared for that. You know, we could do a little bit of it, but then, uh, but as you get bigger, I mean, it's a full-time job and there's no guidebook to mm -hmm. how to fill out these reports. <laughs> and they're kind of archaic. I mean, some of this stuff is over 100 years old that the feds make us fill out. And they use words that don't even make sense. Like, what is a wine gallon? We're talking about beer <laughs> yeah, and, this, or spirits. This, this, I'm, and, so, and, I'm confused. Am I on the wrong page? <laughs> do, do they miss a subsection? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> but yeah, that was definitely a tough lesson to learn. But once you dive in, they do teach a few classes. There's stuff now that people can walk you through it. And I offered my help to all these new guys coming in. This stuff can be daunting. You got to do it or else they'll shut you down. So, yeah. Yeah. The amount of hoops to go through to get something like this started, and especially with spirits in Alabama and even just craft beer, I mean, it's helped you a lot over the years with these laws changing, but there's also still unforeseen things that are just going to come up that you're like, I never thought I was going to have to deal with this, mm -hmm. but now I got to figure this out because yeah. it's, it's not going to get any easier. It's just going to get harder. Yeah. And so I think even as the business grows in any business, really, business is hard and it just gets harder. There's just new things like you think you figured it out. Wait a yeah. second. 
there's yeah. this. Yeah, don't get don't too get comfortable. Too, yeah, don't yeah. get too comfortable. It's a yeah. crazy thing. So thinking, you've been able to achieve so, so much with Yellowhammer over the years. I mean, from not even having a tap room to being able to offer the tap room to being able to see the growth and expansion to Campus 805 to a canning line to now being really presented throughout Alabama and the Southeast, really, I would assume. What are some milestones looking forward to the next three to five years or even in the next year that you would love to see in 2023 and then moving forward that you would love to see Yellowhammer achieve and being able to accommodate to the consumer? Yeah, I like to dream big and kind of like what we talked about. I would love to see one of our beers be the most popular beer in Alabama. I don't like Bud Light being number <laughs> one. And I know they're the big dog, but I'm ready to take them down. Yeah. So as far as like where people can find their beer, is it across the Southeast or like how far of a reach does Yellowhammer currently have from their canned options? Yeah, right now we're statewide in Alabama and Mississippi. Okay. And we would entertain another state, but if we did another state, we're going to have to have another facility. So that's a big step for us. And we've thought a lot about it. And right now we want to make sure we're servicing the communities that we currently serve well. And we don't want to take a step that's too big where we, we end up hurting all markets involved. Yeah. Do, so. do you see that expansion to potentially another state, like a three to five year goal? And yeah. Then, I mean, it could happen as soon as two years, I think, but it would involve a finding whole, a new space and a yeah. whole new t- more team members too. I mean, even just mm-hmm. what that space becomes. And I guess like a lot of it too, and I guess from the real estate perspective that you bring, I mean, you want a space that's relatively close to your main location. You don't want to have the traveling in between the two because if product does come into this and you have to then bring it to the other, I mean, there's a lot of logistics behind that. Yeah. And so I think Huntsville's continuing to go real estates, you know, probably more than anybody is just becoming harder and harder to find. And the price has just gone up and up and up. And so do you think that if you would have known now how big Yellowhammer's gotten and where the potential could look like in two years that you would have already have bought into space five years ago? Yeah, we've looked at sites for the past couple of years, and I do keep up with the market with my other job, but it's going to be tough. But there's two big things that, that play into this for us is logistics and where it's located if it's on a major highway, because that becomes important with shipping. And then the state laws, there's different laws in Tennessee, there's different laws in oh, Georgia, Mississippi. Yeah. And so we're looking at all that too, because we've got a lot of things to consider with another facility. And it, it might make more sense if we're going into Georgia to have a facility over there. You know, I don't think we'll ever leave here. Yeah. Uh, this location is too important to us. But if we had a place in another state, that would also give us some locale appreciation and be easier to distribute in that state, possibly other states as well. Yeah. So looking at this journey, I mean, I, th- I think entrepreneurship is a, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur is a journey. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's never ending. You just never know. Looking at this journey, how much of your success would you contribute to being in the right place at the right time versus how much would you contribute to your hard work? Yeah, that's a great question. One of my favorite questions. And I am going to go with 50-50 on this. We were definitely in the right place at the right time, but persistence has led perseverance on this one. And we've all put in a lot of hard work and it's led us to where we are today. So if someone's listening and they want to connect with you, they want to support you and what you're doing with Yellowhammer, they're looking at event rental spaces. We talked a little bit about that, just the variety of different spaces that you offer. Where can people find you? Where can they support you? Where can they do all that? Yeah. We're on all social media platforms, but our website is very informative. You can fill out an event application. You can see our menu at any time on there. And we also have a map showing all of our major vendors. So you can check that out at Yellowhammer Brewery or brewing.com. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so, so much for talking with me today. It's been great learning more about your story. It was great. We actually sat down a couple of weeks ago and was able to learn a little bit before the podcast. So it's great to kind of be here and be able to record this episode. I continue to look forward to the success that Yellowhammer is able to have in Huntsville, in the Southeast, in the state, all across for years to come. And I continue to look forward just to seeing more and more people learn about Yellowhammer and find out more. So thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond Rockets. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and on YouTube at Beyond Rockets. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date with new episodes as they are released. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed.